And welcome to The Pick. This week we're going to be talking about 1986's The Transformers, the movie. And we are Sean Lemmy. Mega John. Colin Trot. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't know we were... Uh, Sh- Sean Dolby. I don't know. Um... Ooh, I, I think Sean beat us. I think that's the best one. Yeah, it's more creative. <laughs> I, I really like Sean Dolby. Because <laughs> it's so easy to put Tron in there. Mm-hmm. Sean Dolby. Yeah. That's, very, that's very charming. Good job, Sean. Uh, Seanimous Prime. There's a lot of... Uh, the names. There's a lot of names to learn in this movie. Um, which is uh, one of its many problems that we're, we're going to get to uh, in a little bit. I'm excited to talk about it. Because uh, I've made a bit of a career uh, on our blog talking about um, the Transformers, and, and this is the first time I get to talk about something that I have s- some affection for. <laughs> um, I still haven't seen Bumblebee though, so maybe maybe that'll be the one. Um, and before we get to that, we get to do our little picks. Um, and as is the custom, I will go first. Um, this week, I want to tell you guys about some hot D that I've been really into. That's uh, what we're calling House of the Dragon, the new uh, Game of Thrones uh, prequel series that is based on the book Fire and Blood by George R. R. Martin. It's an interesting book to base a series on because that book is a uh, in-fiction oral history, I believe. So it's got the the uh, like a weird brief version of, of the events that we're going to see depicted in the show uh, already out there. But of course, they have a little bit of leeway to, to play with. You know, some of history is inaccurate. Uh, some history just isn't documented. Uh, yada, yada, yada. But fortunately, unlike the Game of Thrones show, it is a complete and ended story. So at least we don't have to worry about uh, the showrunners losing interest and just trying to wrap everything up in the worst way possible. Although um, that doesn't necessarily mean things are going to always be great. But right now, the show's been uh, been really good. It's... Um, it's kind of like if uh, if the early seasons of Game of Thrones were a bit more succession-y, if that makes sense. Because <laughs> it's uh, less about a battle between good and evil and more about a power struggle uh, between uh, potential rightful heirs to this king, Viserys, who's played by Paddy Considine. Uh, who is going through this <laughs> horrible disease uh, where his body seems to be rotting away uh, thanks to being the king. Um, but he's an interesting guy because he's he's been king during peacetime and he only came to power because um, the rightful heir uh, was a woman 
Um, and so he was kind of like the second choice and everybody got to vote. And by everybody, I mean all the lords. And by all the lords, I mean all the rich, powerful dudes in the kingdom. So they picked a guy over a woman and um, made him king. And now he's kind of found himself in the same situation again, where his one and only child is a daughter. And uh, so him naming her his heir... Uh, opens up a whole can of worms that uh, he is not thrilled to deal with. Um, and neither are all these other people that are involved. I will say one of the hurdles people new to this series, or, and even just new to this show that haven't read the, the Fire and Blood book, are going to have to get over is everybody's name sounds like everybody else's name in this <laughs> You are going to have to know who Visenya and Viserys and Balon and Aegon and Daemon and Laenor and Lena and Rhaenyra and Rhaenyris all are. Um, those are none. I did not make up any of those names. Those are all important <laughs> characters in the show. Um, I would say the other hurdle you're going to have to get over is uh, I don't. I mean, so George R. R. Martin is basing this off of his love of uh, English history. I don't know how much of this is actually part of English history. I mean, it's it's, a, it's something it's a joke that people make, but it's it's very literally part of this in a huge way, uh, and that is incest. <laughs> um, there is so much incest already on this show. Um, we see early on a hinted at niece uncle relationship. We know that there are uh, uh, brothers and sisters that are married to each other. I mean, obviously, the original Game of Thrones had twins who were banging and had kids together um th this show in episode two is like what if our 50 year old king here marries a adolescent child uh that's also technically like his cousin um people talk about one character maybe 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 will marry her infant newborn brother there is just a lot of incest um it's it's a weird, uncomfortable hurdle to get over. Also, um, the show is trying its best to be more inclusive uh, as far as uh, people of color and uh, queer people. Um, I, I think that's just where I'd leave it at. They're trying. It's they're, they're still not there. Um, but I do think it is a very compelling story. Um, it's. Uh, unlike what we're going to be talking about later in this podcast, yeah, it's a yeah. complicated story where you're not sure who to root for or where things are going to go. Um, it's 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 gruesomely violent. It's just a miserable world <laughs> that you, you can still be glad that you're not living in. Um, and and I'm I'm having fun watching it. We're like uh, five weeks in now, so probably roughly halfway through the first season, assuming it's like eight or ten episodes. Um, and we're we're queuing up for I think the the big moment in this series, which is going to be a big time skip, uh, where some of the actors are going to be replaced with older actors, and other actors will start wearing old age makeup. Um, which I'm I'm really curious about how that's going to feel, um, especially because some of the actors who are leaving the show are some of my favorite characters on the show. Um, that's why I wanted to make it my little pick this week, so I could remember my enthusiasm for the show if it all goes wrong, or, uh, you know, be out in front of it if it ends up being everyone's favorite show of the year which i don't think it will be mine but you know it's still good i'm still liking it i like that hot d i like it too i appreciate that it's it feels a little more intimate 
You know, we're not jumping all across Westeros. We just we're mainly focused on one family and the interpersonal relationships of that family. Mm-hmm. And it's hot and steamy. Maybe not in all the right ways, but in all the ways that are compelling. I, I you know, I, one thing I was worried about is like, oh, there's gonna be like fucking dragons everywhere. Not really. They've been pretty good about not using dragons too much, even though we're like, they got so many dragons. Also, so, the dragons like look different and have names now that I can. I mean, they had names before, but I can actually tell the dragons apart now. Unlike Game of Thrones, where there were three dragons in a crowd, and I was, they were totally interchangeable to me. Yeah, but no, dude, I'm into it. Uh, it's very, uh, you know, it's a good soap opera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's some good. Uh, production design and there's some gross stuff i love the crab feeder could have used more of yeah him. favorite yep. character in the show <laughs> doesn't speak just feeds people the crabs <laughs> uh good cast though yeah i'm a little uh bummed about this time skip thing too because i think Renaria, Renaria, Renira. Yeah. i think she's my favorite character and i love the actress so it's gonna be a bummer to see her not in the show Mm-hmm. i agree it's a weird move. It's a weird move because it's like the, the actress that's taking over isn't that much older. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, I think the thing is, like, she's playing a little bit older. And then this other actress that we're losing, the one that's been on the show so far, has been playing much younger, I think. Like, I think well, she's I, supposed to have been, like, 14 this whole time, even though she's clearly in her early 20s. Yeah. I mean, she has to be because of some of the stuff that happens that you see on the show. I would be very uncomfortable if the actress was not an adult. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, she's also said that, um, that, you know, they made an effort and had uh, women directors and intimacy coordinators on some of their sexier scenes, which apparently made it uh, a lot, uh, you know, not an uncomfortable experience to shoot, which is a good thing. Yeah. It's a good show. I also have a show to recommend. I was going to recommend a book, but I haven't finished it. So what if I hate the end? Oh, yeah. What if something dumb happens at the end, you know? Nick Fury shows up, wants to put together a team. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Well, actually, it would be pretty good if that happened. But no, I'm going to go with a show that I just discovered yesterday. Yeah, I know. I recommend a lot of horror stuff. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Here's another stupid horror thing. You love that. That's what I do. But here's... I think you guys will know why I like this one. So Shudder has a new show. They've only heard two episodes. Called The 101 Scariest Horror Movie Moments of All Time. Ah. This is basically... Remember how much I love when Bravo Channel did the same thing in like 2007? This is like the same thing. They must have just been like, let's just do that again because it's the same format where you have talking heads talking about, uh, you know, the best horror movies. Specifically, they always try to focus on one scene per movie in particular. And it's just done really well. The picks are good. The talking heads are appropriate. A lot of horror masters, a lot of screen queens. They always have the occasional, like, one comedy person where it's like, what is your connection to all of this? In this case, it's Joe Latruglio. Like, I guess he's just, like, a fan. But everyone has good insight. Like I said, I think most of the picks are good. They're not necessarily, like, all the easy, like, no-brainer picks. There's, like, some deeper cuts. Uh, Like, this first episode had Horror of Dracula. 
had Mulholland uh, Drive, which was an in- inspired pick, I guess, because of the Winky Steiner scene. So, like, not everything you'd expect. It's not. Oh just yeah, a of bunch course. Of, yeah, it's not just like a bunch of Saw movies over All right. again. Hostile. Now I'm rooting for uh, Scary Bilbo from Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. <laughs> Definitely one of the scariest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It's because he didn't expect it. <laughs> just, just watch I get Hobbit scared every movie. time that like I know that it's coming too. There's nothing worse <laughs> like when you know a scare is coming and you know it's gonna get you every time. Yeah, that's the, I mean that's that Mulholland Drive scene. Yeah. yeah, God, you know it pisses me off right now. There's a dumb trailer for a movie that I'm sure will suck. Sean, you remember <laughs> the trailer to that movie Smile? Did you see that trailer? Yeah. Uh-huh. That that scare at the end where the woman's head like twists upside down. It gets me every time, and I'm pissed about it. <laughs> I'm like, this looks dumb, but this scare gets me. I hate that. So props to them. I don't know. Maybe that'll be good. I doubt it. But, yeah. Maybe I'll maybe end up on this list. Who does? <laughs> John, I posted in the chat a picture from Sci-Fi's article about this show. Who's this pajama man with the scary eyes? That looks like it's it from looks- Salem's Lot. Uh, yeah, I think that's Salem's Lot. Which, yeah, was actually on this first episode. I think Salem's Lot kind of overrated, you guys. You want to hear my review? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking boring. It was made for TV. It's super slow. Like, I was super excited to find, like, I watched some of it as a kid, but I was super excited to rewatch it after I read the book earlier this year. And it's like, it stars fucking David Soul from Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just dry. It's for made for TV. Fred Willard is prominently in it, though, which is fun. Mm. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it another shot because they got that new one coming out next year. Were they just uh, trying to cash in on the success of It, or is this pre-It? I think this is cash in on the success of It. Oh, wait, no. You mean the new one? Oh, you, the old one. The old one was just because the old one came out in 79, one of the first Stephen King adaptations after Carrie. Oh. So that was just because this there's a popular book, um, but this new one that's coming out, I think is because I think it's Warner Brothers, which is also the studio that did it. I think it's um. You're like, what else we got? <laughs> what Stephen Speaking King properties of- do we have? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was going to of- transition out of yours. Speaking of what else we got, Colin, what's your little pick? Okay, so. Before we talk about cartoon robots, I'm going to go a little yeah. highbrow. Um, oh, here we go. <laughs> Live action robots. Live action robots. Well, I'm going to recommend a Jean-Luc Godard film because he uh, passed away this past week. And I watched two of his films. Um, the one I really liked was uh, Contempt, his 1963 movie with... Uh, Bridget Bardot, and like with Godard, I've never really gotten into him. I saw a few of his movies like in college, and they never quite worked for me, even though they always had like a lot of fun, playful, cerebral ideas in them. But it was almost like there was always like too much going on. <laughs> So, like, by the, I don't know, third act or so, I, I, I'll often, like, kind of, 
lose interest, I guess, just because he's trying too much. And he doesn't seem that interested in um, telling like a, a well thought out um, kind of satisfying narrative, I, I guess, because he was always obsessed with kind of tinkering with the rules of cinema. And also because it seems like he would often improvise a lot of his movies just like on the day he'd be shooting. Like I, I another movie of his I watched was Pierre I don't know how to fucking pronounce it. It's like Pierre Lefo. Pierre Escargot. Pierre Escargot, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> Which I, I guess he like started writing the script for that like the first day of shooting and like that's impressive considering how much is going on in that movie, but also it's like kind of a mess, but like an interesting one. But like Contempt is like a little more, I don't know, mellow, I would say, <laughs> especially, um, well, I guess first I'll just say it's it's kind of a, a a movie about filmmaking, which is, you know, there are plenty of those, but this is, I guess, Godard's kind of twist on it, where it's, it's about a screenwriter who's uh, in Italy, and he's there with his wife, uh... The, the guy's played by Michel Piccoli. Uh, don't think I've seen him in anything before. But anyways, he's on this set where they're filming an adaptation of The Odyssey, directed by Fritz Lang, playing himself in the movie. So oh, hell yeah. There's all this, this meta stuff going on, and like, you know, Godard paying homage to the great directors, or one of them, since... You know, he was he was a critic first before he started making movies. Um, but I think the thing that just I, I liked about this movie that I haven't gotten as much of in Godard's movies is there's actually like a real kind of emotional core to this movie because it is about a breakup, um, more or less, even though it's got all these other ideas about filmmaking and the artifice of it and, and all that. But there's like a really good long scene in the middle of the movie where the the couple at the center of it have clearly like fallen out of love and you can kind of see it in their in their body language and the way the camera lingers on them and things kind of like slowly um come to a boil and um yeah i I enjoyed it uh, more than any of godard's other movies i've seen um Maybe I'll check some more of them out, but I mean, watching that other <laughs> movie of his where I was like, oh, okay. So I, I, I maybe do still have some of the same problems with his filmmaking style. I, I haven't just like grown up and changed enough in my taste that I'll, I'll like all his stuff now. Like, I, I think I still have kind of a, a complicated relationship with him as a filmmaker, but he's definitely was very capable of of doing great things um it's just not all of his movies were kind of as focused as i would like them to be wow yeah i guess something to talk about with michael next time we have him on the podcast yeah i mean i'm guessing he likes guitar a lot more than i do which uh you know i i know a lot of uh movie movie nerds do who especially were into you know classic and art house films but uh yeah he's he's good 
<laughs> it's not my <laughs> favorite, but <laughs> it's it's kind of hard to deny uh, how influential he was and how radical his films were for the time, even if you know not all of them completely hold up for me. Uh, should All we right. talk about Transformers now? <laughs> <laughs> Great transition. I, I know. It. <laughs> That's what we do laugh. here. The whole spectrum of cinema. Sean <laughs> Sean and I bought this movie too. I think that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, that I'm a little perplexed by. Like, are you gonna watch this again? I mean, I don't know. I, the Steelbook is really fantastic. It looks so good. I'm proud to have it on my shelf. Okay. It's a piece of art. I think Godard would love it. Not the movie. Yeah. The, the, this the case. Martin Scorsese too. He'd be mm. all about it. Oh yeah. Okay. Well, um, and of course, the the poster is one of the most interesting things about this movie because depending on which poster you've seen, you're either seeing an accurate representation of this movie with its new cast, or a very misleading representation of this movie with its soon-to-be entirely dead cast from the TV show. <laughs> mm. um, there's actually been a series of re-edits to the art that represents this movie as well as the movie itself over time. Um, I think most funnily, the two swear words are taken in and out a few times, depending on where the the movie comes out. Remind me what those are. Ultra (laughs) Magnus says, open, damn it, when he's trying to open the matrix of leadership in one scene. We get a Robert Stack swear. Hell yeah. Um, and then the and, Oh, you can tell it then, Colin. <laughs> I mean, I don't know any of the characters' names, but it was the human Spike, the human dad guy in a robot yeah. suit. He's just like, uh-huh. oh, sh- oh shit. Yep. <laughs> Damn. Like, well, that was, How did I miss that? that was, it was. I found it very jarring. <laughs> it's yeah. They're two very inconsequential swears just left in for some reason. Oh shit! It's not a um, and it, of course you wouldn't know his name because that is Spike who is a child for the first two seasons of the show but okay. this movie takes a 20 year time jump to the year 2005 so he's become a man in a robot suit in the time in between um, no one recognized him I think one of the great challenges of this movie for any audience member is keeping track of who the characters are but especially someone who wasn't familiar with the show they make no effort to introduce anybody, um, not just the returning characters from the show, but the new characters as well. So, I mean, Colin, I'm guessing you had little to no experience with, with the show. Like, outside of Optimus Prime, I'm guessing everyone is just a generic robot to you, right? Um, I mean, I recognize Bumblebee because they made that movie. And... Yeah, I mean, I saw the first Michael Bay Transformers movie, so I guess I kind of have that as a point of reference, but it's like, those aren't any more fully formed characters either, so it's yeah. not like they really stuck out to me. Like, yeah, I never watched the TV show as a kid. I'm honestly curious how you did, because I don't remember it being on TV by the t- time I was like watching cartoons it seems a little before our time i mean i do have memories of playing with the toys 
I do have that connection. But yeah. like, yeah, looking at these mm-hmm. robot toys as actual characters, I I had no experience with really, except for you know, I guess the later Michael Bay movie. Um, so yeah, I didn't really know uh, what was going on. <laughs> time in regards to that or like how i should feel when they die early on in the movie like it, it really did seem like a movie made specifically for people who've watched the tv show which i mean a lot of movies that are kind of sequels to a tv show are like that but not usually to this extent <laughs> Well, yeah, I I think they did it exactly wrong because, um, like, a returning character like Optimus Prime does not get an introduction. Um, yeah. So, like, you just have to know that he's the leader and he's important, which, I mean, maybe with Optimus Prime in particular, that's okay. But, like... Yeah, I know uh, that at least. Like, like Jazz and Cliff Jumper, you're going to also or get the same treatment. But also, the new characters get the same treatment, too, like Hot, Drop, or, or Hot Rod and... Uh, RC, um, the Ultra Magnus even are all treated exactly the same as these returning characters, despite the fact that like if these kids have never seen them before, and they're just t- like they just have to accept that they're part of the team. Um, you might not learn their names. You might not know what they transform into. For example, one of the one of the main characters of this transforms into a microscope. Uh. Did, any, did any of you notice that? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I okay. Like yeah. Turn into a microscope for some reason. Mm-hmm. That sucks. I thought the whole point was that they're supposed to blend in when they're on Earth. That was a giant <laughs> microscope blend in. I don't. I really. And, it's, and also, the scale of things are weird. Like, why is it a giant microscope when, like, the gun that Megatron turns into is like that's never gun made size. any sense. That Megatron <laughs> yeah. turns into a gun that's smaller than how this his current size. <laughs> Yeah, I guess you just don't worry about it. But I loved it. Definitely saw this movie as a little kid. I have a distant memory. I wonder if you have the same memory too, Sean, where I feel like I did catch reruns of this. I want to say maybe on USA Network, but they had like these weird CGI like scenes in between be like, Transformers will be right back. And it was like this weird CGI thing that I think that they did for when they rebroadcast it later in the 90s. I wonder if that sounds familiar to you. So I wonder if what you're thinking of is season five of the Transformers. Oh, so maybe, okay. Interesting. So season five of the Transformers is entirely made up of reruns, uh, including the movie, which they split up into five episodes. Mm, wow. Um, but to sell the reruns as a new season of the show, what they added in were framing device scenes of a giant puppet of optimus prime and a child and i wonder if that is what you're thinking i don't know i don't remember i feel like i would know if it was cgi or a puppet but um i don't know i i didn't do any research on this i should have because i just remembered this yeah um i don't even know if i have the channel right i feel like all the weird kids shows were on the usa network like that's where i saw Dragon Ball for the first time. Like, not even Dragon Ball Z, mm-hmm. Dragon Ball they used to have right. on the USA mm-hmm. Network. The uh, the Ocean Group, yeah. They did all Dragon Ball in, like, the first 60 or something episodes of Dragon Ball so, Z. So, yeah, I obviously, I wasn't super 
well-versed in the show. I knew the characters mostly from the toys. You know, I had siblings that grew up in the 80s, so we had some of the 80s toys. Of course, Transformers toys are always so fucking weird because the story with Transformers toys is, like, they took, uh, like, uh, American, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know who did it on the American side of things, but they, like, took a bunch of Japanese toy lines, different toy lines, and then threw them together and said, this mm. is the same toy line now. So you had yeah. characters of drastically different scale that were like, okay, these guys are in the same show. And then, you know, you had Marvel guys coming up with the lore and backstory to these characters. Yeah, so I guess I can cover that. So I got a little bit of history for you. Okay. Um, so the, the company you're talking about is Hasbro, Hasbro on the right. America side. Um, on the Japanese side, it was a, a toy manufacturing company called Takara. Um, and the original Transformers that Hasbro bought mainly came from two lines, one called uh, Diaclone and the other one called Microchange, uh, which, I mean, those names already hint to exactly what I was talking about, them being totally different scales. Um, what Hasbro did uh, was follow the template they had created with G.I. Joe uh, which, thanks to um, Reaganomics, was the the idea of doing a, a multimedia, three-pronged approach to these toy lines. Um, so the, the regulations had been uh, almost entirely removed in our country uh, for uh, product placement in content within uh, children's television programming. Um, so what Hasbro was able to do was work with Marvel to, uh, for G.I. Joe, create a comic series as well as an animated tie-in uh, TV show and later a movie. Um, and so they uh, did that right off the bat with um, these Japanese toys that they bought. Uh, so they got uh, Marvel's, uh, at the time, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter to come up with a story. Um, and then a series of uh, various editors at Marvel were uh, tasked with coming up with character names and backstories. Um, sounds like a lot of them either did work that Hasbro did not like or just did not like the job themselves. So eventually it comes to uh, an editor named Bob Budiansky, uh, who I guess over a weekend rewrote all the character profiles. And that's how we got the RG1 Transformers. Um, Incredible. It's so weird how this used to happen, how they, uh, Americans would get some sort of international product and, like, we have to repackage this. People will not understand this. I mean, in this case, they just, like, they, they, they Frankenstein something together from multiple sources. But it just, I, I feel like this doesn't happen as much anymore. So it's just fascinating yeah. to hear about. And actually, interestingly enough, the reverse happened here because this ends up being animated by uh, Toei Animation in Japan. And so they take this new television series and repackage it for uh, Japan and release that as, with its own continuity that's not at all tied into the Marvel comics. Um, and I guess that continues on to some extent in its own way. Like there are OVAs that are released in Japan that are tied into... G1 Transformers that aren't tied into, or that never came out in America. They're just their own thing in Japan. Um, and I, that's as far as I did my research as far as that's concerned. But that, apparently that's a whole other thing. And, um, and some of the later series are just straight up um, anime that are then brought back to America. So 
the long-standing question of is Transformers an anime? I think the answer is yes, but it's weird and complicated. Um, I should also say that when they made the transition, um, the animators did add more humanizing, humanistic uh, elements to the designs of the robots. Um, a lot of the uh, die clones like didn't even have heads and faces, so uh, they went a long way to um, make them characters that people could relate to. And um, I think on top of having uh, Marvel writing and animators making an effort to make it look good, I mean, Toei Animation's a legendary studio. I mean, they did do um, you know, Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z. That's the same studio. Uh, I think the third really smart thing that uh, Hasbro does is they hire a bunch of really great voice actors um, for this original show. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously there's uh, Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime and uh, and Frank Welker, uh, Frank Welker, who's a legend in voice acting as uh, both Soundwave and Megatron and a bunch of other people. Um, but then you have other... Uh, somewhat notable voice actors like uh, Scatman Crothers and Casey Kasem in the show. Um, they, they, they've got a, a solid cast, um, especially for an 80s kids cartoon. Um, and I think that's part of the problem is those actors breathed a lot of life into characters that, as far as Hasbro concerned, were just toys um, like genuinely, I believe that the execs thought that like Optimus Prime dying and being replaced by Rodimus Prime is the same as like um, you know like Dominic Toretto like crashing his car and getting a new Mustang at the end of the movie. Like it's they're just totally disconnected from the idea of these being uh, people that kids would form an attachment to, um, which is a tragic mistake on their part, I think. It's not even like he comes back or something. Like it seems like that's something they could have done. Uh, well, he does. Oh, I guess I. Well, as what do you mean? As I'm trying to remember. Are we talking Rodimus? So, so if you watch a specific edit of the movie, at the end, not the one we watched, and probably not the one Colin watched okay. either. Um, it does at the very end say, "Optimus Prime will return." <laughs> <laughs> nice. So they were they beat Marvel to the punch like years later when Marvel was doing yeah. this. Yeah. Well, I mean, James Bond was doing that too. Oh yeah. Um, that's right. But but yeah, it's um I think that's something that was edited after they got the bad feedback and um it's uh the so this okay, so it's the history of the show. Season 1 of Transformers is a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, it comes out as a miniseries first, so a three-episode miniseries, and then they do a 13 weeks of Saturday morning cartoons. Um, the plot's mainly about uh, Autobots and Decepticons. They're in a war. They end up on Earth, and um, they want to get back to their home world of Cybertron and fight for control of it. Um, the Autobots are mainly concerned in building something called a space bridge to send an energy resource called Energon back. Um but it's a pretty straightforward, like, sort of, you know, robots in disguise. They're having their secret war on our planet story. Um, those first 13 episodes plus the miniseries were successful enough that Hasbro wanted to turn it into a week 
day syndicated show for season two, which meant the episode total went up to 65. <laughs> they had to do a 49 episode season uh, in, in, in season two uh, in the same span of time from, from September to uh, January of uh, 85 to 86. Um, and so in doing that, uh, they brought in a different animation studio. They uh, added a ton of new characters. They switched to a more episodic format instead of the somewhat serialized version of the show that we had been watching. Um, they fleshed out some backstory. I think largely people are still pretty happy with the show at this point. Um, so that ends in January of 86. In August of 86, this movie comes out, uh, and it changes a lot. Obviously, it kills all those characters off. We jump forward 20 years in time. Um, we have new locations of Autobot City and, and at the end of the movie, uh, Cybertron, um, where the, the characters now live. Um, and, uh, and we're introduced to a bunch of new robot aliens on different planets, which becomes the focus of season three, which picks up a month later after this movie comes out um, and adds another 30 episodes to the, uh, the episode total. Um, at this point, Toei is so overworked that a lot of the production goes to a studio called Acom in Korea that's actually started by um, the director of this movie, whose name is Nelson Shin. Um, Acom is interesting because they go on to do uh, some of the work on The Simpsons and Batman the Animated Series uh, and the X-Men cartoon from the 90s and Arthur. So basically, John owes them a huge debt. Looking at pictures of Optimus Prime puppet. <laughs> I, I think this is what I saw. I feel dumb. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think um, I don't know. I don't know what anything is anymore. <laughs> what is so at, at the at the end of season three, they do a three part episode where Optimus Prime is brought back to life. Um, so the total time that Optimus Prime is dead is a little less than a year. He's he's back alive by March of nineteen eighty seven. Um, which I'm sure felt like eternity to kids at the time, but oh, it's, God, it's pretty yeah. funny in retrospect. <laughs> Um, at this point, they're totally out of steam. Uh, season four is three episodes long. <laughs> huh? um, and, then I, and then I already explained season five is uh, yeah. just reruns with a puppet. Puppet time, pals. <laughs> I can't remember if you, if you uh, mentioned this or if you know about this, but I'm wondering, so was there any setup before this movie that they were going to do a time jump or had they done a time jump or, or, or were kids just thrown into it? Kids were just thrown just into it. Thrown the end of the it. last they episode of season two, okay. you have the exact same status quo, uh, everything. It's still 1985, or, yeah, 85, because it's a 20-year time jump. And um, and also, they're very much used to the idea that they have fights where everyone kind of shoots at each other, but no one gets hit, nobody dies, nothing changes. The only thing that changes is we meet more robots who join the team. You know, obviously, there's, like, the Dinobots and the Insecticons. Devastator uh, and the constructor constantly make them up. You know, they they keep adding, but they don't really do any subtracting um, until this movie comes out. It's awesome. Uh, One of the best parts of this movie. There's <laughs> death comes from all. So much death. It's great. I love it. It's good to know that characters can die and then they're just dead and that's it. It feels like uh, one of those episodes or 
uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go with episodes. Episodes of a show that's either like a dream or like at the end someone's going to rewind time because people die so easily and there's no fanfare and no reflection. They're just gone. <laughs> yeah, dude. Kids' favorite characters, I'm sure. I mean, I don't remember any of them. I feel like Jazz dies. He's a he's, well, oh, he's yeah, a fan there's favorite. The, um, I looked up. Ironically, the three main uh, Autobots that live are Jazz, Cliff Jumper, and Bumblebee. Um, they're all on Moon Base Two, which gets swallowed okay. by uh, Unicron, and then they at the very end they get rescued by Daniel in his robot suit. Okay, I, then I totally forgot. Okay, well, it's a lot of things to keep track of. <laughs> yeah, everybody else dies, but I wanted to I want to bring this up because ironically, of those three. Scatman Crothers died in before they could record him for the next season. Uh-oh. Casey Casey Kasem, who plays Cliff Jumper, quits the show. Oh, um, and so the only one left is Bumblebee, who famously like doesn't have a voice in the Michael Bay movies. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's sort of like in a way, all three of the characters that live became silenced afterwards. And she just brought in some old, more old TV guys, right? That's how you do it. Yeah. That's like That's one of my favorite it. things about it is like in the show and in the movie how like everyone in the cast is like an old. I mean, not everyone, but most of them are like an old TV. Actor. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like it's like if you did it today, and it's like okay, we've got some cool robots. Who's gonna be some of these robots? Uh, Ed O'Neill, uh, Alan Alda, <laughs> Elliot Gould. <laughs> Yeah, you went so old. I'm I went too old. I guess I went like 80s. You're, you're going for Orson Welles deathbed casting. I gotta go for like they were going for like late 50s, early 60s, like guys yeah. in that age age range. Who's it? Yeah, I guess Ed O'Neill. That was a good. I think you started at a more reasonable starting point than where I took it. He's still pretty old. <laughs> Let's get Ted McGinley. Let's just get a, a married with children reunion up in here. <laughs> You know, I guess I, I should be thinking of sitcom actors from like the early '90s. I just like Dave Coulier, uh, you know, his, <laughs> his return to Dave Coulier deserves to be on an animated series. Well, That's he was on the he was on the wanted. Ghostbusters cartoon. Oh god! Because remember the original? Uh, I, I believe it was called the Real Ghostbusters. Oh yes. Because remember it was Lorenzo Music who was the original Vankman, who which was hilarious because then Lorenzo Music is also famous for playing Garfield. Just crazy because yeah. then Bill Murray was Garfield, but like Bill Murray saw the show and thought like I don't like the guy who does my voice, so they fired Lorenzo Music and then Dave Coulier became the voice of of Venkman because I guess he does a decent Bill Murray impression. Also, one more fun fact <laughs> that I find hilarious about the Ghostbusters TV show: Ernie Hudson auditioned to play his own character. And, did, oh my and did not get the part. <laughs> Didn't get it. No. Arsenio Hall played Winston on the cartoon show. Also, the as Dan, the Dan Aykroyd uh, character, race dance, Frank Welker. Welker man. He's also he was also Slimer. He's everywhere. He's yeah. He's the best. He is the best. Sorry for that little detour. I just think it's funny. I like it. It adds a lot that you have like Robert Stack and like Leonard Nimoy in, in this movie. It's cool. Which, oh, by the way, I have always had a chip on my shoulder about the fact that Leonard Nimoy plays Galvatron in this. Michael Bay brings him back to the Transformers franchise in the movie Dark of the Moon. He casts him for some reason as Sentinel Prime instead of Galvatron. 
And then he makes Sentinel Prime make a bunch, multiple Spock references, <laughs> and so no sad. references to the fact that he was in Transformers before. Uh, he probably didn't know. He probably doesn't know. I, 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 I genuinely believe Mark Wahlberg, or uh, yeah, I'm going to get to Mark Wahlberg. Um, <laughs> Michael Bay has, has no knowledge of the Transformers franchise. He's, no. He has the exact same no, perspective as Hasbro. They're just toys. Because he casts Mark Wahlberg in two of the Transformers movies as the lead. And he never makes him sing The Touch, which he has already sung oh. in another movie. Wow. And comes from this movie. You're blowing my mind, Sean. I never made that connection. That's brilliant. That would have been so clever. You know, Marvel, if Marvel still owned Transformers, they would have been all over that. They would have been clever enough to to, to tap into yeah. that. Yeah. They would have been like, oh, hey, this guy has a connection to the series. We should exploit that. Instead of, oh, hey, this guy has muscles. Let's make him a creepy dad. Which is what Michael Bay did. Those. Yeah. Fuck. I hate it. Boo. Um, other The Touch fun fact I learned yeah. that was originally written for the Sylvester Stallone movie Cobra. Wow. I wonder why they turned it down. That's interesting. I feel like Cobra's too badass for something. Yeah, Cobra <laughs> doesn't really have any power. Cobra's more like metal. That's just interesting because yeah. that, that reminds me of how um, You're the Best was first offered up to, uh, I think, to Rocky Three, But, I mean, they turned yeah. that down for a good reason because they turned it down for Eye of the Tiger, which is iconic. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but You're the Best choice. is pretty good, too. And it's just yeah. funny because, you know, it ended up being the theme to Karate Kid, which is like Rocky Jr., you know? It's, <laughs> it's even a John G. Avildsen movie, so. Yeah. So that's Stallone just getting offered up all these these, these badly awesome rock tunes. He had his, he had his choice, whatever he wants. Also, guys, the new Cobra action figure is out, and it looks pretty cool. I saw Sylvester Stallone on YouTube. Like, this is a recent video being like, Hey, check it out. There's a Cobra action figure now. Oh, look. I used to look like that. I was handsome. Uh, even got my, I got a weird muscle near my elbow, and they, they nailed it perfectly. It's amazing. It's just funny that he's doing a commercial for a Cobra doll. Just like in his house. Your Sylvester Stallone is definitely one of my favorite impressions of yours. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty on point. There's um, well, there's a I draw it from this one impression I once heard where he like uh, I can't remember he he says this thing like oh such good humor oh my god <laughs> I can't remember what that's in like response to but just like that phrase I find so funny. Huh. Um, as long as I'm in my music notes section, I wanted to also bring up um, the the theme song is uh, re re recorded here uh, by a hard rock band called Lion, um, and they nailed it. Great job. Um, I don't know if this means anything to you guys. Their vocalist was in a band called Titan T Y T A N. I guess Titan, but with a Y. Mm, no. And their guitarist was from a band called Lone Star, but as two words, not not the country band Lone Star, which does it as one word. Uh, his name is Tony Smith. Um, but apparently they also wrote the A theme song for uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, called Love is a Lie, which is a great title for a song. <laughs> um, and 
the same year, 1986, they had two songs in the movie The Wraith, Never Surrender and Power Love. Oh, I've seen The Wraith with Charlie Sheen. <laughs> well, then, you, what? then you've heard <laughs> at least in total three songs. That makes a lot of Lion. sense. That, that movie has that kind of energy. <laughs> That's awesome. Just such good music back then. I, I really think music peaked, right, in the mid to late 80s. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a lot of bands who sound like Journey, but aren't Journey. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's that's kind of what you want for for a movie like this, I guess. Just lots of lots of colors and <laughs> flashing lights. It's an incredible soundtrack. There's times where I was like, this is like watching the movie Heavy Metal. Yeah, yeah, no. It just feels it, like a music video. That's exactly how I felt too in maybe And Yeah. Like it's it's killing those characters like that movie does. Except it's forgetting that we actually care about them. <laughs> um like there's a, that early shuttle attack where uh Megatron and Starscream kill a bunch of the Autobots. Yeah. Like it's it just has like hard rock music over it. it it's not like a serious or sad scene, despite the fact that they are dying. Horrific death. I feel like somebody like spews fire out of their mouth as they get shot to death. Like it's it's gruesome in this cartoony way, but it's not presented as the tragic death of beloved characters. It's just like disrupts. No, <laughs> um, before I get into the plot recap more, I just wanted to run down why the Transformers is so confusing. I think I already got it a little bit with the fact that season five of the original show is already dipping into reruns. Um, but after that, they did a show called Transformers Generation 2, which is why retroactively people refer to the original show as G1, um, which is just re-edits of the show, but with the new dubs and a new story being told. Um, that lasted for a few years, 93 to 95. And then after that, I think is where John and I really come in, is when Beast Wars and Beast Machines are the main Transformer shows at the time. I feel like that's like actually a good show, but I'm probably wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's the one that was that was on when we were kids. I just feel like like this has like such a minimal cast and it's like slow and contemplative. And it's like yeah. I think it had a minimal cast and like they didn't do a whole lot because it's expensive to, to do that as much as they were doing in CGI. They probably yeah. had to keep it simple. Sean, how did you feel about how Optimus Prime when he transformed his legs would his like switch around the opposite like did the three sixty with his legs? That never bothered me. Okay. Did that bother you? I don't know. It's just it's interesting. It's interesting. <laughs> well, his I mean his, his he's got different proportioned legs. Did they you, need to be different. Did you have that action figure? Did you have Optimus Primal? <sighs> I don't remember having Optimus. I don't think Primal. anyone did. That was a hard one to get. I remember you had um, uh, the, the the Raptor guy. That was a cool one. I think he was just called Dinobot. Yeah, it was just Dinobot. I had Cheetor, and it was a great toy. Um, and then they did the Beast Machines, and I know I had the rat one of that, because he turned into like a... Instead of turning into a rat, he turned into like a rat car, like a rat yeah, race car. Yeah, <laughs> that one was a little disappointing. I had some McDonald's or, or, or Burger King toys of, of that one. <laughs> or one of the, the ones after Beast Wars. So after Beast Machines, 
um, in Japan, they come out with an anime series called Robots in Disguise, which serves as a like pseudo, like a soft sequel to to those two Beast Wars and Beast Machines. Um, I think it's in the in the sense of like it doesn't contradict it, but maybe I think also Optimus Primal is, is referenced or something. So it's like slightly tied in. It's a a two D anime that does come out over here, but this is two thousand one. And there are scenes of buildings being destroyed in it, so the show starts being heavily censored once 9-11 happens and is eventually banned from uh, our networks uh, after, you know, things get things get rocky for us. Yeah. Um, the, the series continues as, as an anime that comes out over here. There's what they call the Unicron Trilogy, Transformers Armada, Transformers Energon, and Transformers Cybertron 3. Uh, three shows that came out over here and then of course at the end of that uh, the live action film series starts so they do a western reboot called Transformers Animated I guess just to distinguish it from the live action films <laughs> although it seems really weird to call your like 10th show animated um, <laughs> when all of the previous ones were also animated yeah um Cartoon Network has that, and then later, that, that ends in 2010. In 2018, Cartoon Network has another show called Transformers Cyberverse. Uh, in between those two, um, there's a web series called the Prime Wars Trilogy. Uh, I think all of these are unconnected. Um, and then most recently, there has been a uh, series on Netflix called Transformers The War for Cybertron Trilogy, which concluded last year. Um, and I, I don't, as far as I know, there's not a currently ongoing um, Transformers television series. Although, obviously, there are still many more multimedia related to the franchise, uh, always coming out all the time. A um, lot, lot, lot of toys to buy. Um, and, of course, the Optimus Prime being the hottest toy of them all. Uh, I, had, I had an Optimus Prime as a kid. Yeah, a little sound box on it that said I'm Optimus Prime, although my dad convinced me what he was actually saying was I'm out to do crime, <laughs> which is pretty funny in retrospect. Does that mean you thought he was the villain? <laughs> no, I knew. I, I don't remember watching on TV, but I definitely remember renting a lot of tapes. Um, my favorite being the season two, uh, I think two-parter, maybe three-parter, where the uh, Dinobots are introduced. Uh, and the Dinobots, uh, one of the rare groups of Autobots in this that managed to all survive and continue uh, being part of the team. Although there is, I think, a, uh, a oh, I should have looked this up. I think there's originally a Stegosaurus uh, Dinobot that's just not in the team. I think, there, I think there's right. one Dinobot that's just missing in this movie for, for some well, reason. I had to Maybe draw died so many in the 20 people. Years. <laughs> They're robots. And, and by the way. If you want to have fun on the IMDb goof section, go look for continuity errors in this movie because it is endless. There are so many robot crowd scenes that feature robots that we have already seen die. Um, <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I would um, know. I could I probably w- name like five or six of them. So, yeah. 
Well, the one that was bothering me when I watched this is when uh, so the Decepticons are attacking Autobot City at the beginning of the movie. Yes. It's a big scene. Yeah. Optimus Prime shows up to the touch. Uh, he's he's kicking ass, and we see him blast the fuck out of Soundwave. <laughs> and the way the movie's been going, that's like he's dead. Except Soundwave is in like every Decepticon scene after that. Oh, <laughs> so for some wait, reason, yeah, isn't he? He's, he's isn't he on the ship with Starscream, being like, "I should lead." Yeah, he has dialogue. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> after he's destroyed. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I I guess I forgot him getting uh, yeah blasted away. Soundwave's one of my favorites because he has the sweet voice. Mm-hmm. Arm uh-huh. you can't do it without technology and i love how no. he's got little cassettes and they're like little guys that like walk around yeah. it's like they just like hang out inside of him all day <laughs> mm-hmm. it, though it's always kind of hard to get i've never quite understood like so the transformers like feel pain then right because they're like when they get hit seems like it yeah. So it's like they're thinking they have thoughts. So they're just like these are smaller robots living inside of a bigger robot. And then he fought another guy mm-hmm. who also like I don't remember the other guy if he was also a boombox or some sort of radio, and he also had little no, friends. He is, yeah, he's the exact same toy, just colored red instead of purple. Yeah, and they fought back too. So. And they fought, and the little guys fight the, one of the big guys, and that's and that's good too. <laughs> yeah. It just they got it's just weird. It's weird, weird, weird. It, it's also just hilarious that you know it's the eighties, so you got a freaking boombox character. <laughs> I don't I don't imagine Soundwave is in the Michael Bay movies, even though I feel like he's a fan favorite. He could be. I mean he's 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 in I think the first episode. He's one of the original Decepticons. Soundwave. Oh yeah. I'm like I think about him, I think Megatron, I think Starscream, and then the rest. I can't think of any others. Yeah. So Starscream, scary. by the way, I think uh the, the death that hits me um, second hardest after Optimus Prime, although I know that it's not as bad because Starscream will return for most of season two as a ghost that gets in the way of things. Wow. So there's a Transformer ghost in season three uh, of Starscream, which is great. Starscream is one of the best characters. He's the Vegeta. Uh, if he didn't redeem himself, he's just a real, he's a real bitch. He's, he's one of my favorite characters in this movie. Because I don't know if you're going to go, like, through the whole plot or anything, but, like, after, you know, they chuck uh, Megatron into space, after he chucks the damaged Megatron into space after the Autobot yeah. battle, he's, like, you know, decides he's the leader, and he has, like, a little crown that he puts on. A little crown? And a cape? <laughs> and a cape! <laughs> and, then, and he makes those Decepticons play their trumpets for him. Yeah, like... That's hilarious. I mean, it's nice to see some of these characters have a little bit of personality. Mm-hmm. So I love that he's like, yeah, he's vain and he has an ego like that. And he's got a great voice. Is that, I think that's Chris Latta, I want to say. Yeah, rest in peace. Who uh, I think was the original voice of Mr. Burns, but I don't know. I don't think, I think they re recorded before it aired or something. I can't remember, but. Very uh, a prominent voice actor back in the eighties yeah. and nineties. Uh, Cobra Commander is the other. That's one right. Like He's Cobra yeah. Commander. He has that I'm Starscream. It's just so. Uh, yeah, it's, it's harsh on the ears, but it sounds great. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great. perfect for the character. I would love to know. I would love to know Colin's favorite Transformer. Oh, excellent question. 
in this mind sound wave. Um, <laughs> Sean, who's yours? I mean, if I'm being honest, it's Optimus. It's Optimus. Prime. Okay, Colin. I love it so much. I love the dad. I'm very excited to hear yours, Colin. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna have to go with Blur. Blur. Talks fast. <laughs> Great. Yeah, pull. John Bashita Jr. Oh. There just there just wasn't enough that like separated the Transformers to me, and that one just really stood out. I was like, oh, he just talks really fast. That's that's super fun. Yeah. <laughs> I when I found that. out years later that John John Machida Jr. was in this movie, I figured he probably has like one scene. He's just talking really fast because that's what he was known for. He did a bunch of commercials in the eighties and nineties where he just talked really fast. But he has like mm-hmm. a couple scenes. He's like an there actual character. Scenes. Yeah, and he, he's, he's, he's one of the new, you know, main Autobots. Yeah, and it's not just like stunt casting. It's not like they just got a popular commercial actor. It's not like if they'd made this in the late 90s and it's like, let's get the you're getting a Dell guy to be in this. <laughs> I'm not saying that guy's not a real actor, but this felt. They, they should have put him in more things. Turns into a Dell. <laughs> they did him dirty by firing from him him from that gig because he like smoked weed or which whatever. is it seems so on yeah. brand for him yeah, it's too. Like, come on what do you want him to do in his spare time when you're like rewarding him for being a stoner guy it would be like it'd be like you guys remember the most interesting man in the world those commercials it's like, yeah. it'd be like if they fired that guy for getting a dui <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's just on brand for him right I guess. I mean, that guy's brand is kind of... It feels like he's too classy to get caught <laughs> driving under the influence, but... Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but no, Blur, classic character. Can't believe I forgot Blur. Mm-hmm. Inspired. I cast. really like Ultra Magnus, too, because he's just like Optimus Prime Jr. <laughs> I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed by Ultra Magnus, just because I saw Robert Stack was in this... And I don't know. I don't. He didn't bring much for me. You know who I did like? I don't remember the actor. The guy who was sort of like, I can't fucking remember. Rodimus's mentor. Cup. Yeah, yeah. Cup. That guy I like because he was grumpy. And like, that's a fun characteristic yeah. to have. He's old for some reason, even though it doesn't <laughs> appear that any of them age. It seemed like him and Rodimus had like a dynamic. I'm like, this is something. This is almost something. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like all the pre-established transformers are nothing they're not i mean optimus mm-hmm. is a character but like i don't remember like Ironhide. if he was even in this movie i don't remember doing anything I, he does he's he's one of the ones on that shuttle at the very beginning okay, that gets yeah. violently massacred right. it's like all these other guys are just yeah they're just well but rocks. ironhide was cool because he was also peter cullen you gotta gotta respect the peter cullen <laughs> character oh sure yeah, it seems like him and Frank Welker did like a handful of characters on the show and in the movie, mm-hmm. so that's cool. Um, do you want to like set up the uh, the the threat in this movie or Unicron <laughs> or any of that stuff? Yeah, so the movie opens with Unicron uh, consuming a planet, which is very confusing because it's a planet of robots. So as a kid, you're like. Is this Cybertron? Is Cybertron being destroyed? That's my. Right that's what now? I thought. Right when I was watching, I was like, "This must be Cybertron." Um, but as we're gonna find out as the movie goes on, it turns out this is just a universe where there are a lot of robot planets, and this is just one of them. Uh, he, he eats it right up. One detail I want to point out that I really uh, enjoyed about this planet-eating sequence 
as you see all these chunks of metal like flying into Unicron's, I guess, mouth. And you hear like cartoon <laughs> crunch sound effects. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, these, these people are all being wiped out. And we're hearing, <laughs> gobble, gobble. It's just funny that they put in this very like Hanna-Barbera childish sound and uh, an otherwise devastating sequence. Yeah. Although, counterpoint, while this movie is full of let's like let's call it questionable music choices i think the ominous unicron theme is actually really good it is good it captures how like big and majestic and scary he is no i like that unicron is is cool i think so anyways yeah well i think he gets less cool when he turns into a giant winged robot yeah he's he's better as a big planet i like that better it just and it makes the scale of things really confusing. Yeah, once he was a big robot, I could. Yeah, it was so hard to keep track because it seemed like he was so big earlier. And then I, I don't know. I mean, it's the same problem with Megatron turning into the gun, right? It's like, yeah, it's so hard to keep track of scale with these characters when they transform. Um. After that, we get the credit sequence from Superman, but it's the names of the people in this movie. I feel like there's somebody... Uh, oh, do you guys remember? I remember now who had top billing in this movie. I don't remember it was who Eric Idle. Oh, yeah. oh, we're going to get him way later had, on. Because I, I, I made a note of this. He was the first name to pop up when they showed the cast. <laughs> Eric ah, Idle. So weird. <laughs> was he the biggest name in this no, I don't know no, what the deal with that. He just has a good agent. <laughs> What's going on with kids? I mean, I mean, well, he was doing like he was in one of the National Lampoon's movies around this time, and he's in European Vacation. Obviously, Monty Python was somewhat. I have popular. no sense of how big Judd Nelson was. Is actually where I'm coming down on. Well, how big was Judd Nelson? Kind of big. I mean, he would have been just coming off of The Breakfast Club. That's actually kind of a surprising get, because that's kind of like what they do with movies now, where you get notable mainstream A-list celebrities to, to be in your animated you know, movies. Whereas back then, it'd be like, okay, we're doing an animated movie. We need to get Robert Stack. Let it be more. <laughs> Gotta get him. Yeah, I mean, now now that we're looking at these names, like Eric Idols, he's up there. I guess Leonard Nimoy is a little. He's maybe more famous. I mean, yeah. There's to, also Orson to me, Leonard Wells, Nimoy and Orson Welles. Or, yeah. I guess the problem is just like who of these guys would appeal to kids, and it's like, eh. Not really any of them. So it's like, just take your pick. I mean, it should have said starring Judd Nelson. Or Peter Cullen, though he dies. Yeah. Mm, I could go with anyone but Eric Idle, really. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, of course, you will notice that there are entirely men's names we're going over, um, even though this movie did make the interesting choice to introduce a female-coded Transformer yes. yeah. named R.C., who is, of course, pink and has Princess Leia hair bones. It is a good design, um, whether or not it's a good character. I like the look. But yeah, uh, but uh, I mean, I think it's also interesting because Spike had a, uh, a human companion who uh, was a girl who, oh. like, I guess sort of implicitly he married and had a kid with because now we have Daniel in this. But she's she's not in the movie at all. Um, 
they they could have put a little more effort into <laughs> including not just boys, but I guess that's like that's their market, little boys. These are boy toys. <laughs> These are boy yeah, toys. They, want- they also also the other movie they put out this year was uh my Little Pony, the movie. So they were like, I guess they're just like, we'll keep them separated. It's so funny. I feel like we've talked about this too, where in kids' movies, they always try to make a kid character so the kid can be like, that's me. But no kid ever watching the movie wants to be the kid. You know, they want to yeah. be the cool adult. They they don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I've never identified with swearing. a kid in the movie. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why they need to include Daniel. Yeah, I mean it's the same. Like nobody wanted to be Luke Skywalker. Everyone wanted to be Han Solo. Exactly. Yeah. Just give us a cool adult. Pretty much. Yeah, for sure. Now I cannot, for the life of me, remember what uh, anyone's particular goal in this movie was. <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. Is Unicron just want to eat everything? They keep talking about Energon, but I, I, I'm having so much trouble keeping track of what that is or who has it or how much of it there is. They also talk about the Matrix. At a certain the Matrix? Mm-hmm. Is that what's inside of Optimus? No, no, yeah, the Matrix. I thought the Matrix was like, he's like, I will be one with the Matrix soon. I thought that was like their heaven. I think you're thinking of the AllSpark, although I'm not sure. I, uh, I don't know if they talk about the He definitely says, I will be one with the Matrix. <laughs> Okay, that's really confusing because... Oh, let me see, maybe he doesn't. I'm going to look up some of the lines while you try to explain this. So, Unicron goes around eating planets. That I mean, let's... I mean, John, I, I think you'd agree with me. The relationship between Unicron and Galvatron is identical to Galactus and Silver Surfer, except it's if, he, if he was eating. Yeah, pretty much, you're right. They're just doing the same thing. Uh, they're just stealing from Marvel. Uh, which I guess is okay because Marvel's the one writing it. Um, he's going around doing that. Uh, it's been 20 years since this, the last season of the show. Um, so Decepticons have taken over Cybertron again in that time. The Autobots want to strike back and retake Cybertron for themselves. Um, and they're currently split up on Moonbase 2, which is a moon orbiting Cybertron, and Autobot City, which is a city on Earth. And so at the beginning of the movie when uh, Ironhide and the other Autobots are transporting Energon from Moonbase 2 to, Autobot, to Autobot City on Earth, that's when the Decepticons attack, and that leads into their siege of Autobot City. So that's what's going on um, when everybody dies, including uh, Megamon. Uh, Megamom. <laughs> wow. Uh, Megatron and, um, and Optimus Prime. I love the idea of Mega Mom and Mega Mon. Is he Jamaican or something? Okay, one hundred percent Mega Mon has got to be a Digimon, right? <laughs> That's yeah, that too. Okay, Sean, I figured out the Matrix. So you're right. Okay. That is what they call the thing in his chest, and I think he does say, "I will be one with the Matrix." But what I think he means is when he dies he will always be a part of that artifact that's in his chest, even though he'll be dead. I think that's what he means. Uh, it's, not like, I guess, it's not like there's a robot that heaven. That makes sense. Which I was really hoping there'd be robot heaven. Be nice. They all got, like, angel wings and halos. No. <laughs> it, it is weird that the, one of the messages of this movie is there is no afterlife. When you're dead, it's over. I mean, I guess kids need to hear it. Um, Colin, what did you think of all the death did it did it matter to you at all at the time like watch it now no not really okay. i mean 
<laughs> Optimus Prime, I guess, mattered because he's like the one character I knew, and I mm. like I knew that that was kind of the uh, uh, big deal uh, part of this movie. Did you know it was going to come so early in the movie? Yeah, I did. I think I've. I don't know how I, I, I just heard that before that he dies very early on in the Transformers movie. I mean, you probably told me that at some point, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's devastating. Yeah, so I knew it was coming, and I was like, "Yeah, it's it's bold," but yeah, all the other characters dying meant nothing to me. Uh, yeah. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, um, I feel like there totally could have been a way of giving those deaths some gravity, even for someone like me who hasn't watched the TV show. But they just didn't. They just, they just killed them off. And it's like, it's fine. They're making a short-ass movie. Like, they ain't got time to set up characters. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, you can... D- so, I think there is an approach to this that works, where you kill off the season one and two cast and introduce the season three cast and, and make it more of a passing of the torch. Uh, but like John was saying, he didn't even know the stakes of this battle that they were fighting. Like... Yeah. It just it feels it just feels like they're getting everyone out of the way in Act One, so that Act Two and Three can be here are the new toys and locations. Um, which, I mean, just it's I feel like even when you know it's going to happen, it still just sucks all the steam out of out of you when you're watching it, and then you're just kind of shell shocked <laughs> into watching the rest of a, of a story that you can't care about mm-hmm. because it all feels frivolous now. Um, so the so the stakes for the rest of the movie are that um, Unicron turns Galvat- turns Megatron into Galvatron and uh, resurrects the other corpses that Starscream <laughs> kicked out in space. Okay, I, I, two two and, things about this scene that I got to bring up. Okay, first okay. of all, when he turns Megatron into Galvatron, how fucking cool is that shot where he's like wireframe like art? And it and it projects yeah. the new image. And it's like it transforms. It's amazing. Yeah. My second note though is why does he change his voice? Why is it a different actor? It's so weird. It's a nice little question. <laughs> why do it's, they do that? It's so weird to be like, hey, we're giving you a new name, a new look, and a new voice, but you're you're the same guy. Why bother? <laughs> And it's like Leonard Nimoy has such a distinct voice too. It's it's quite the departure. It doesn't feel like mm-hmm. the same character. So it's just odd. I mean, I like I like him as his own character, but it's it's it was hard buying it as Megatron because I kind of liked the trajectory Megatron was on, where it's like he got all messed up, and the other uh, Decepticons abandoned him. So now he's super vengeful, and now he's teamed up, you know, kind of against his uh, definitely against his will with Unicron. And we get to hear Unicron have to. We have poor Orson Welles have to list off these new character names. Every every single person is <laughs> yeah. an introduction. Um, I should also bring up because I was curious. Uh, it just switches back to Frank Welker when Galvatron returns on the show. So it's it's only Leonard Nimoy in the movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. So back on the show, he turns back into Megatron. He's not Galvatron. No, he's still he's Galvatron okay, for the rest Galvatron, of the show. But, he but he's played Welker. by Frank Welker again. It's kind of like how they got uh, 
Didn't they get Hugo Weaving to be Megatron and then later eventually just switched it to Frank Welker? You're right. That's another thing they have in common with the movies. Just let Frank Welker do it. He's an accomplished just, guy. Yeah. Leonard Nimoy can I'm play trying. some other dipshit. There's plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Why not? Um, so Galvatron's got to get the Matrix of Leadership because he works for Unicron and it's the one thing that can blow up Unicron, it turns out. Um, meanwhile, Ultra Magnus is made the new leader uh, by receiving that Matrix of Leadership. And uh, notably, uh, you'll see that when Optimus tries to hand it to Ultra Magnus, he drops it and it's Hot Rod that catches it and then hands it. Hot Rod. I keep Ultra calling him Magnus. by his later name. I could not remember his name. Rodimus Prime. Prime. Yeah. It, it, I also feel bad for Ultra Magnus because he didn't get a Prime name. It's almost like they just they just knew it was a mistake. He was just lame. He did. I feel like he didn't even want to so, do it. He didn't even want to take it on. <laughs> yeah. Well. Disappointment. I guess I guess Optimus was like, this guy's the only other semi on the team. He had no idea that Hot Rod was going to turn into a Hot yeah, Rod Yeah, they're not going to give it to like a microscope or something. <laughs> um, I never knew what to do with the tr- the tractor trailer. By the way, with with my Optimus Prime toy, his his trailer like turns into like a mini base that had like a crane for some wow. reason. And I was, I was like, I guess this is here. If you wa- when you watch the show, you'll notice every time he transforms, the trailer just shoots off behind what, him. Like it's what I always wondered be. about that is, does he have to go pick it up later, or does he just get a new one? <laughs> <laughs> Is there just a bunch of like trailers just all over the country, just empty abandoned trailers? And it's like it's not that uncommon to see a semi truck driving without the trailer part. I've seen it a few times. He doesn't have to have yeah. it. it. Just seems it just seems like a, such a hassle. I don't know how much more you want to cover on Earth because I got some questions about that planet that they go to where they meet Eric Idle. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so uh, Unicron shows up at Cybertron and eats its moons, uh, including Moonbase 2, where uh, Bumblebee and Jazz and uh, Cliffjumper are, as well as Spike, uh, the boy who is now a man in a robot suit. Um, And uh, Galvatron doesn't like it, but uh, Unicron can just make him hurt whenever he wants, so he gives him a spaceship and Galvatron goes back to Earth to attack Ultra Magnus and the other Autobots, but they managed to escape in two separate ships, and the two ships land on two separate planets. Um, so let's talk about the one that Hot Rod, uh, Cup, and the Dinobots land on first. Yeah. Uh, because this one is called Quintessa, uh, which will end up being hugely important in Season 3 of Transformers, because they'll find out that the Quintessons that um, five-headed judge robot thing. That was cool. Uh, yeah. They're going to they're gonna end up to, to be the original creators of uh, the Transformers. Oh, my God. And um, in this movie, it's just a very confusing thing where they get put in a prison and then put on trial where the robot heads just spin around and say, innocent for some reason. Uh, and then they drop you off. I, so of like, a like diving is the joke into, like it doesn't matter? You are innocent, but we're still gonna dump you. Yeah, That's, that was like, my what happens if you're guilty? Um, and they dump you into a tank full of robot piranha. Okay, I got a cu- I got a couple reason. things to say about this this part of the movie. 
Okay, I like this yeah. planet. I love that there's a bunch of mm-hmm. like robot like animals. You know, kind of like a precursor to yeah. Beast Wars. They all look very cool. The design is cool. I like the judge guy. My problem is, I like looked at my uh, like I paused. Be like, how much time is left in this? And when I saw there was almost fifty minutes left, I was so <laughs> bad. That's the thing about this movie is like, I feel like if uh, the first half of this movie I thought was pretty fun. But knowing there is still so much left, like this movie should be an hour. This movie should not be eighty yeah. minutes. It does not have. It cannot keep like my interest that long, even with all these crazy creatures. Like I appreciate the design and the animation's good, but I was like, I was starting to lo- like kind of like lose interest just because I had trouble being invested in what these characters were trying to accomplish uh, because they're so well defined, you know, among other things. I, I just can't emphasize this enough. We had no indication that Bumblebee and Jazz and Cliffjumper and Spike were still alive. Yeah. As far as we know, every single character we care about, including Starscream and Megatron, are gone. Like, as as a kid, you're just like, is this real life anymore? <laughs> like, you you just it's you're so out of it at this point. You just can't. Like, I would I would imagine in the eighties. Kids were like bawling and probably like leaving. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie had one of the highest like audiences leaving before the credits percentages of any movie in history. <laughs> well, yeah, you'd have like the the double thing of like kids being traumatized and parents just being like totally uninterested. Yeah, but but they wouldn't even get to Eric Idle, the star of the film. It's true, the star of the film. So that's going on on the other planet. Um, it's called Junkion. Well, that's the and, other planet. Uh, yeah, I, even, I didn't realize there's two different planets. Yeah, there's two different planets. Um, this is the planet that Ultra Magnus and RC and Blur and the others and Daniel, the human boy, all end up on. And there's a sequence where Daniel has to learn to use a robot suit. Um and then there is a scene where Ultra Magnus gets brutally killed by Galvatron, which sounds like it was even more brutal originally. Um, according to the trivia section on the Transformers wiki, originally in the script, Ultra Magnus gets uh, drawn and quartered in this scene. <laughs> uh, which makes sense because he gets put together later. So I guess they were like, here's, here's a way to have him in multiple parts. But I just can't... <laughs> imagine how unrelentingly dark this movie would have felt uh, with a gruesome death like that included in this. Um, instead, what they did is they kind of just have him get shot a bunch and he dies. Um, and again, he's brought back uh, like literally the next scene. Uh, there may be one scene in between um, because after Galvatron takes the Matrix and leaves, the other Autobots uh, end up getting in a fight with the native Junkions uh, but are saved when Hot Rod and the others show up um, and use the universal greeting that uh, Cup is taught Hot Rod uh, that I opened the podcast with. Ba weep grad naga weep ninibong. Uh, which I guess is the only native words that uh, that the Junkions know because the rest of the words they know they learned from television. Uh. <laughs> so that's our Eric Idle performance. He's doing a bunch of 80s pop culture TV references. 
What does he uh, turn into? Oh, is it a... Nothing. We never see him transform? I don't think so. Because I guess, like, the Transformers don't turn any, into anything on their home planet. They do. They just transform into more sci-fi oh. versions of what they transform into. Like, oh, uh, that's kind of like dumb. Bumblebee turns into, like, a space car. And what's weird about it is, even though he turns into a space car, his robot form looks exactly the same. So he has like a big windshield on his chest, but it's like, but not there when he turns into a space car. I'm seeing some pictures this, on Google Image Search that show Rekgar as a motorcycle. Just saying, but all right, I don't remember. I believe it, but you I that he did. You. But then I also see a picture of him riding a motorcycle, so I don't know. I'm trying to figure this I, out. It's very confusing at this I, point. I think you're right. I don't uh, think... I, I'm just looking at a toy. I, I don't think he does transform, but the toy transforms into a motorcycle. just want to put that out there. Sure. It could it could have happened. Because I do remember... I feel like I saw some motorcycles, though I think it's because he's riding one in the Dare to be Stupid scene. Oh, yes, that's right. I forgot the scene is set to Dare to be Stupid, <laughs> which was the B-side, by the way, to the uh, You've Got the Touch single. Like so, if you bought the Transformers single of "You Got the Touch," this would be on. Was you? I, I'm sorry. Was you got the touch? You said that it was. It was written for for Cobra, or was that another song? For Cobra. Okay. Yeah, it was written for Cobra. So it is, but since it wasn't, it is then unique to this this movie. Then, like, right? Like, it's not on an album. It would be on like the the soundtrack album. It's. Yeah, Stan Bush puts it on one of his albums later, okay. but at this point in time, it's only okay, in that's Transformers. Awesome. And, and then, of course, it's in Boogie Nights <laughs> yeah. as well. For some reason. I've, I love that, but it's just, yeah. Okay, I, I love all this. This is all good to know. This is all good to hear. <laughs> you got the touch. Um, so the Junkions and the Autobots and the Dinobots and all the good guys team up to attack Unicron, who has turned against Galvatron because Galvatron tried to use the Matrix, even though he couldn't. Um, so Galvatron transforms into a giant robot with wings, and he starts punching Cybertron for some reason. Like, he can just suck a planet up into his mouth, but for whatever reason, Cybertron is going to take his time. I don't know. Uh, and he sucks up the Decepticons, uh, and the Autobots show up, and they fly through his eye, and so the rest of this movie takes place inside of uh unicron's body yeah so i was just laughing because uh, i just was thinking about how call was talking about jean-luc godard earlier <laughs> <laughs> you're talking yeah. about the decepticons being sucked up it's just funny sucked sucked into uh orson wells robot's body inside of unicron um hot rod gets separated from the other autobots um, and he finds Galvatron, and they fight for the Matrix. And Hot Rod picks it up, and he hears Optimus say, "Arise, Rodimus Prime!" Uh, and it grows taller and cooler. And Galvatron shoots the Matrix out of his hands, and then he just picks it right back up. So it's like, why did this happen? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, then he opens the Matrix up, and it makes uh, Unicron die, while the other Autobots. Uh, rely on uh, Daniel, the human boy, to save uh, Bumblebee and the others from falling into a weird uh, conveyor belt death trap thing that is inside of Unicron's body. Um, 
So everyone that's good escapes. Everyone that's bad that's bad is is implicitly dead. And the movie ends with the Autobots back on Cybertron, having retaken control of the planet that they have been fighting for for thousands of years. And then ominously, the movie ends on a freeze frame of Unicron's head floating in space, meaning I don't know something. <laughs> we'll be back. But he wasn't ever back, right? Not on the original show? Not on the original show, but I'm, I mean, he's in a lot yeah, of the yeah. other stuff. I, I remember that. I love that. His head floating around. <laughs> yeah. The big old head. Um, my favorite uh, Orson Welles quote is him describing the movie to his biographer. <laughs> yeah, he's, this is, uh, I'll just read the quote. You know what I did this morning? I played the voice of a toy. I play a planet. I menace somebody called something or other. <laughs> then I'm destroyed. My plan to destroy whoever it is is thwarted, and I tear myself apart on the screen. Um, I like it because it sounds like he was a little bit, like, obviously he didn't get it, but he was a little bit excited to be part of an animated movie. I think he's having a good time. When uh, did... I don't think it's... Sorry. When did Orson Welles die? Uh well it must have been eighty five right so he Before didn't he didn't live movie. to see this masterpiece he didn't live to see the, the second so. Citizen no. Kane of our time <laughs> that's a bummer I mean it's especially a bummer because you you have to assume he took this role so he could get money to make one of his movies which was usually the case yeah. with things that he did just for the money but uh he didn't even get to do that you're telling me that it wasn't a passion project for him to be in the muppet movie Mm. i mean i don't know about that one everybody loves the muppets it's hard not to have some respect for the muppets (laughs) i wonder yeah i haven't really looked at the back half of orson welles career i mean obviously we know about a lot of the commercials in this like I just said, the Muppet movie. I wonder if there's anything else weird in there that I haven't looked up. That's like I can't believe he did such and such. I feel like I'd probably know. Um, yeah. But uh, well, I'm glad that he didn't. I because I always I always assumed he just hated everything about this. That he was just desperate for money or something. But it sounds like he was just like it's a yeah, yeah whatever it's a job it's it's you know maybe it'll be funny. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It seemed like he had a good, a good attitude about this, good sense of humor. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so, Transformers the movie was released on August eighth, nineteen eighty six. It made one point seven, up to one point eight million dollars on its opening weekend, which put it in fourteenth place. Oh boy, that weekend. Pretty bad. I challenge you guys to name as many as you can of the 13 movies that outperformed the Transformers the movie in its opening weekend. Do we get any any clues? I don't know that I can confidently name movies that came out in um, 86. Unfortunately, I saw like a lot of the movies listed oh. on the Wikipedia page accidentally. How many do you remember? Uh, a few. <laughs> All right, let's hear them. <laughs> A lot of these movies did not come out in August of 1986. They're just still going. They're still going. Okay, let's think. A movie from Platoon. What did you say? Platoon. Platoon. 
No, okay. don't see Platoon uh, on that when, weekend. When did Ferris Bueller come out? Is that 86? Yeah, I think that was 86. Ferris Bueller is 15th. It's the one <laughs> movie Transformers beat that weekend. Although this is the ninth weekend uh, Ferris Bueller has been out. 86. So, uh, um, when was... Um, when was no? When was Top Gun? Top Gun is a great one. That's the one I was talking about earlier. Top oh Gun was God. in fifth place. Uh, it was in its thirteenth weekend. My so God! We we look at how dominant Top Gun Two has been this year. Uh, lest we forget, Top Gun One also did real good. I keep thinking of movies that came out after or before. There's gotta be an Arnold in there somewhere. No, that's a like Running Man. I don't know. This is so hard. You, I, you know, I gotta have some clues. There, there is one movie we've done a the pick on. <laughs> oh, one movie we've done a guy. You think we get it instantly? Eighty six. Eighty six. Um. Um. God. I will say it's weird that this movie was in its ninth week of release, given that it's August. Um, it should have been. <laughs> it probably should not have even been out. Oh, at this point. oh, oh! I think I know what it is. Is it Back to School? It's Back to School. <laughs> the ninth week of Back to School outperformed the Transformers of the movie in its first week of release. How good it, it Roddy Dangerfield should have been a Transformer. He gets no respect. <laughs> he turns into that big uh, sandwich that he makes. Yeah. Oh, God, that fucking sandwich. Um, so, yeah, number one, Aliens. Number two, oh, The Karate Kid Part 2. I'm mad that I, could, I didn't forgot Aliens was in 86. Uh, number three, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Uh, number four, the first movie that was opening up that weekend is One Crazy Summer, uh, Top Gun at five. Disney's Ruthless People at number six. Uh, Tristar is Nothing in Common at seven. Howard the Duck is our number eight movie. Uh, Sony's A Fine Mess debuted that week at number nine. Paramount's Heartburn is in week three. Right. It's in the 10th spot. Disney's Flight of the Navigator, that movie that um, my dad's high school friend has a small part in. his name uh, is? is uh, I feel like, oh, shit, I feel like I he had a funny name. name, and that's why I liked it. It's, it's Rusty Pouch? That's yes, it. Rusty, Rusty Pouch. Pouch. It's such a good name. <laughs> it's, it yeah. sounds like a Oof. porn star name. It's good. Just his Rusty real name. Pouch. Um, then yeah, back to school. About last night, uh, the last movie that managed to beat out wow. uh, Transformers in its first week. Uh, so 1.8 million in its first weekend. It ends up with a final box office gross of 5.8 million, uh, putting it in 99th place on the year. Not not Top good. Top 100. Uh, just bad times all around for the brand new uh, De Laurentiis Entertainment Group. Uh, oh. They uh, kind of were always doing poorly have we done uh, any de laurentis movies on here i wonder wasn't dune, dune. A, you're a right Dino you're joint? right it was wow we may have done another one i think so he, i mean he did a lot i'm looking up his his filmography now you can keep going if you want to while i look this up um 
Yeah, like I said, their other movie that they put out uh, was My Little Pony, the movie, which also did not do great. Um, and of course, critics didn't like the movie either. They uh, kind of like the Michael Bay Transformers movies were like, I can't even tell the characters apart. I can't follow what's going on. <laughs> this feels like a commercial more than a real movie. <laughs> right. Uh, so uh, it did really, it really, it, uh, it alienated the fans. It uh, pissed off the critics and it didn't make money. Uh, but I guess luckily enough, the sheer trauma that this movie inflicted uh, ended up making it something of a cult classic. Probably also, at the time, with the knowledge that Optimus Prime isn't permanently dead, uh, that probably takes a lot of the sting out of it uh, by the time it's out on home video. Um, and so it, it does grow into a, a little bit of a cult classic. Um, I, th- I think it sort of deserves that. It definitely is bold storytelling for... Uh, Again, something that's made for kids and is generally just a commercial. It, it, it could have played it a lot safer. I think that's that's most of what we get now. Um, it's, it's interesting that they took these bizarre, unnecessary, and ill-advised risks that did not pan out. Um, but it, make, it makes the movie memorable. Uh, and also, I forget if I mentioned this before, the movie was, uh, because it was animated by the same studio that did the show, it was animated uh, in in 4x3 full screen. And then it was advertised as the widescreen version of the Transformers you always have been waiting for. Uh, so they just cropped the top and bottom <laughs> of the picture wow. for, the, for both the theatrical release and the version that's on the Blu-ray that John and I have. We just have a cropped... Yeah. Uh, version of the movie. I don't know if that's what you were able to stream, uh, Colin, um, but uh, the the actual movie is full screen. Yeah, I think mine was in widescreen. I mean, one th- one thing that stuck out to me was I feel like there were a lot of like abrupt fade outs <laughs> at yes, certain points yeah. where I'm like, did they just do this so it would be easier <laughs> when they uh, put it on TV for commercial breaks? If it sure feels that way, like it just makes it feel yeah. like a TV movie. I mean, you're saying, Sean, they did air the mass episodes, so they must have had it in the back of their mind. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, and once this airs in, you know, once this runs in theaters, then we can just air them as episodes later. I bet, I bet that <laughs> totally. was always part of the plan. Yeah. Wow. Well, especially when it's like, imagine if you were a kid watching this show, end of season two, uh, things are fine, things are normal. You, for whatever reason, can't see the movie. Yeah. And then you come back that September and whole new cast, whole new setting, whole new story. Like, it's just a totally different show. I, I, if that if they never made the movie available as part of the show, that's the most disorienting thing you could possibly do to viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said before, there are a lot of goofs, a lot of continuity errors in this movie. Um, I brought up one before. I think another one that really stood out to me while I was watching it that I confirmed on IMDb was that uh, early in the attack on Autobot City, Starscream uh, gets a, a door closed on his foot, and his only means of escape is to shoot his own yeah, foot Yeah, that was cool. And so he screams in pain and flies away, and then for the rest of the movie, he has his foot, and his foot is totally fine and undamaged. 
funny. I, I I definitely remember the foot thing, and I don't know why I didn't notice it later. There's yeah, just so much it's, it's, to focus on. There's a lot going on. <laughs> There's so many robots to keep track of. It's hard enough to remember who's who. <laughs> <laughs> there are definitely like I'm not sure I would have known the name Blur uh, or or RC or Perceptor uh, <laughs> if I hadn't been taking copious notes as sure. I was doing this. But yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone um, remembers the villain. Yeah. That's right, guys. And that means it's another edition of John's Rogues Gallery. God, I love being a bad guy. Guys, we got Unicron. He is an evildoer. Now, it looks like his villain's wiki <laughs> entry uh, kind of compiles some stuff from... Because obviously he's popped up in comics. He's popped up in other versions of the show. So it's not just yeah. his, his stats, his breakdown from this movie. It's kind of a little bit of everything. So there might be some stuff in here that's unfamiliar to us. But... uh Try okay. to do the best I can here. Full name Unicron. That's fine. Alias. Yeah. Which is unicorn with two letters. That's sure. true. I wonder why they went with that name. I, I think it just sounds cool. I don't think there's that much thought put into it. I'm overthinking <laughs> it. I assume most of these character names were just like hashed yeah. out in an afternoon. It's not like, like yeah, well, the root Latin word means, you know, I don't think there's that much <laughs> put in there. I do I do notice that Optim- Optimus Prime and Ultra Magnus are like synonyms of each other. Like they just like, what's basically the same name as Optimus <laughs> yeah, Prime? That's true. Um, full name Unicron, alias the Chaos Bringer, the Destroyer, the Dark God, the Dark Lord, the Death God, the Planet Eater, the Demon, and the Monster Planet. He's got quite a few. I okay. like that. Origin Transformers franchise. Occupation. Cybertronian Deity of Chaos. Darkness, <laughs> Evil, and Destruction. Oh. <laughs> Where do I sign up for that job? <laughs> Power slash skills, gigantic size, unmatchable strength, capability of destroying planets, fire breath. That's a good one. Mentally torturing anyone by simply glaring at them. (laughs) Cool. Yeah, yeah, that checks out. Reality warping. Electrokinesis. You know, like I said, some of this Uh. is in some of the other, like, shows and stuff. Nigh omnipotence. That checks out. Mind control. Rebuilding Transformers. Resurrection. Yep. yep. Dark Energon. Oh. Dark Energon and in parentheses, his blood. Whoa. Anti-spark. In parentheses, his spark. (laughs) Planetary form and immortality. We don't see him die. He's a floating head. I think they're right. Yeah. (laughs) Hobby. Devouring planets. Waging war Me and too, destruction man. to kill his twin brother and eternal nemesis Primus <gasps> using his blood to Ooh. reanimate the dead Cybertronians into Terracons. Sean, if you want more on that, you gotta watch Transformers colon Prime. <laughs> well, I had no idea the rock band Primus was in. It does say Primus. <laughs> so his nemesis is Primus. 
That sounds pretty good. Goals. Devour everything in his path. Succeeded so far. <laughs> Destroy the matrix of leadership to render himself unstoppable. Failed. Mm. Destroy Cybertron. Better. Destroy everything and everyone who dares to stand in his way. Some of these are pretty good. Classic. Here's, uh, consume all of reality in order to find peace and utmost <laughs> nothingness. <laughs> that sounds like a sweet, like, heavy metal lyric. Yeah, and man. kill his brother Primus. Primus, Primus is always getting in the way. Less Claypool, man. He's, yeah. He's a problem. Crimes. Mass Omnicide, one of oh, our favorites. Yeah. We love Omnicide. We've graduated from Omnicide to Mass <laughs> so Omnicide. Wait, I thought Omnicide was you want everything dead. Yeah, but that, I'm guessing they're saying because it's on multiple planets. planets okay. Um, torture. Mass Mundicide. <laughs> now I looked this one up. I Ooh. think that means destruction of planets. But then it's like, you don't, do you need that and Omnicide? Oh. You got, well, it's because you're not just killing the things living on the planet. You're also killing the planet itself. <laughs> so that's a new one for me, Mundicide. Uh, you know, I didn't think about this one. How, yeah, go ahead. How are we going to escalate from Mass Omnicide yes, and Mundicide? Maybe just well, like, who could want to do more? You remember like, the total Omnicide? <laughs> total Omnicide. Is there one that's like everything? He wants to kill everything and himself. <laughs> uh, this next one I think about uh, but is this is definitely true cannibalism you know he's a robot he eats robots I get it <laughs> I was I saw on the Transformers wiki there's a lot of debate of which robots are Transformers versus just like sentient robots That's, yeah. Um, yeah. like the like the robots from the planet at the very beginning that he got yeah up. they weren't doing they weren't transforming uh, were they they're like, their relationship is unclear. <laughs> okay. uh, we also have enslavement, mass murder, usage of dark magic. I don't know that we got to see much of I that in this. I don't think you need mass murder on the list when mass omnicide is already Yeah, on this the is list. getting a little redundant. <laughs> Terrorism. I mean, natural, with all the yeah, others, it's kind, it's kind of a given. <laughs> yeah. Planetary assault, and then, yeah, mass genocide. Okay. Do you need Omnicide, Mundicide, and... Okay, so we have Omnicide, Mundicide, Mass Murder, and Mass Genocide. I think we get it, okay? We get well, it. I mean, I think so, dead. Sometimes he just wants to do one of them without doing the yeah. full Omnicide. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess that's that, that's a good <laughs> just point. Just for fun. These are his, like... You guys' next album should be called The Full Omnicide. <laughs> These are his crimes. He kind of worked up for them. He started with just mass murder. Then he moved up to genocide. Then he moved up to, I don't, I still don't know what's, I guess mass omnicide is worse than mundicide. <laughs> Depends um, how you look at it. Yeah. Um, okay. But he's a lot of crimes. This is, this is a uh, bad dude. I don't think you guys are going to guess this, but it's always fun to try anyways. The type of villain, it's two words. Can you guess what type of villain Unicron is? This is a hard one. The first one is, is kind of like, a smart word. Oh, God. If you don't, if, so it's if, not just like planet if you destroyer. don't want to guess, you don't have to, because no one will ever get this. But you can if you want to. 
I'm gonna look up what Galactus is on. That's I, I, I'll always it. allow that. I think that's a fun way to to kind of hmm. try to figure this out is look up a similar character. Because th- it should be the same. Um. So there are three Galactuses. Wow. Well, there's there's four, but one of them doesn't have a wiki okay. page. So if you're going off of Galactus, he could be a primordial alien destroyer. Uh huh. Or. A cataclysmic cosmic entity, or this is my favorite one—the one from the Rise of the Silver Surfer movie, the Evil Cloud Galactus, an Eldritch Destroyer. Wow, like Cthulhu or something. That's cool. <laughs> like Cthulhu, that's a good one. I'll go with that one. Okay, I'll go with Omnipotent Destructor. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> I just wanted to do Destroyer, but you already did Destroyer. Yeah. So. Well, Sean, your research got you close because he's a cataclysmic deity. Damn. Ooh, okay. So closest to the Marvel animated universe, Galactus. Yeah, cataclysmic they got. Deity, I don't know. I don't really think of him as a god. But again, this is spanning Unicron across multiple forms of media, so... It makes it even harder to guess. We don't even know who Primus is. <laughs> well, I mean, we know who Primus is. Uh, they're, they're a great band. <laughs> he just hates that. He hates that sound. Uh, 1994 animated TV series Fantastic Four Galactus. His crimes, by the way. Mass Mundicide, mass murder, and worst of all, abuse of power. <laughs> um, that's not cool, man. Get this guy out of here. Yeah, that's funny how this is just Galactus. It's it's always be the weirdest thing to me that Marvel helped shape the Transformers and then at some <laughs> point lost you know, did just sold them or, or lost the rights or whatever. I mean they Marvel was going through some tough times in the nineties, so it doesn't surprise yeah. me. But it's just interesting. And it's it's actually kind of a bummer, too, because I feel like they would be handling this property way better than Paramount is. Uh, I mean, so we, got that, we got a Beast Wars movie coming out. But then it's like, it's Beast Wars and it's still some of the original guys, too, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't like... Is, actually, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I thought Optimus was still in it. But maybe he's not. Uh be really convincing to have Optimus Prime and Optimus well, Primal. Let's, let's look this at the up real time. quick. I'm actually genuinely curious. Does anyone remember what that movie is even called? Transform. It's probably just called Beast Wars. I mean, right? it, sh- it, it. Why would they it, call it anything it different? It should be right, <laughs> but I don't actually know if that's what. It's- oh no, Sean! It's called Transformers: Rise of the Beasts. Oh. Pe- well, didn't we already do a rise? Uh, it seems like we must have, right? Well, there's. <laughs> There's Revenge, like Revenge of the Fallen. Revenge of the Fallen. There's like something about a moon. Dark, Dark of the, the moon. moon. I don't even know how many there are. Uh, Age of Extinction. Okay. <laughs> these could all also. These the could be Ice Age movies. Night. I wouldn't even know. The Last Night. I guess there isn't one. Okay, so it's called Rise of the Beasts. Comes out next summer. Um. Yeah, Optimus is in it, as is Bumblebee, and all our other favorite characters like Wheeljack, RC, and Mirage. Oh, nice, RC yeah, from this one. Uh, and then we got the Maximals. The only one they've announced, uh, K-1000. 
casting wise is Ron Perlman as Optimus Primal. But we are oh, we're gonna have Rhinox and Cheetor and Air Razor. And the Terracons, Scourge, Nightbird, Battle Trap. I don't see any Megatron here. I don't see any Really? They're going with the Terracons, not the Predacons? They just don't know what the fuck they're doing. I'm sure this was like given to like a screenwriter who like had never heard of this and then just had to cram like he's never crammed before. <laughs> okay, it's currently it currently has one, two, three, four, five credited writers. I mean, this is just being passed from yeah. one guy to another to like make this into yeah. something. <laughs> that is such a bad sign. That means like they don't know what the fuck they want this to be. Sounds terrible. It's like Beast Wars would have only made sense if it was his own thing separate from all this. But they're in, they're weaving it in, which is a terrible idea. Because it's not like... I guess they did, They must feel like people are just so invested in Optimus. It's like, we got to have Optimus. If we don't have Optimus, people are going to hate it. Which, yeah, by the way, Optimus Prime is the meanest character in all of my movies. <laughs> He's a horrible person. He is... On paper, the villain of most of those movies. Wow. He's a cruel, wicked man. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> cruel, wicked man really sets up my next pick pretty well. <laughs> Let's hear what so, it is. We're recording this in late September. So I originally had another pick that was loosely connected to this movie. I was originally going to pick uh, Three Men and a Baby directed by Leonard Nimoy. Oh. Uh, but we're going into October, and you guys know, like, if we're going in October, I gotta pick something that feels seasonally appropriate, so <laughs> Three Men and scary. a Baby is gonna have to wait a little bit. I'll, I'll pick it maybe down the line or something. So, I don't know. I was, Should we do Morbius? It is on Netflix. It's pretty easy to watch right now. I, I know. I feel bad, like, <laughs> going from, like... <laughs> Transformers to Morbius, like we really need to get out of this uh, <laughs> rut. I mean, they're fun Spin. episodes. Yeah, but I do I think Morbius. I mean, we did Venom, so I feel like it is kind of funny we that we're we're starting to explore Sony's <laughs> really shitty Spider-Man spinoff universe they're trying to do. Uh, just like we'll have to eventually do Let There Be Carnage when it comes out on I assume it's probably you can probably rent it by now but I'm, I'm waiting for it didn't didn't that come out before Morbius yeah but it's not on HBO yet so it, when it's on HBO then I'll consider it <laughs> for this podcast but no I think Morbius like it would be funny it's it's kind of horror adjacent um, I was talking about wanting to do for Shocktober this year 2022 horror films and I, I kind of threw this into the mix so <laughs> but I feel like this would be most fun to do as a podcast. I don't know if if if, if people are just like don't want to do it, I might change my mind later. But I do think it would be kind of funny. I always respect the power of the pick. <laughs> just see what everyone's yeah, talking about. You, you you gotta, I guess. Have we done Jared Leto it's more than you. twice? Is or is it just twice? Because he's in Fight Club. I'm surprised we... Yeah, I feel like he's in like a I deleted scene of something else we've done. <laughs> Probably. 
I hope he isn't because I would feel bad that like, oh, God, he's in our three timers club, Jared Leto. I don't even like him. It's kind of strange that he's the lead of like a superhero movie in this day and age. I don't know. I think it would be fun to dig into this. Uh, maybe I'll change my mind later, but as of right now, I'm sticking with Morbius. It's Morbin time. <laughs> You're right. He was in a deleted scene of Phone Booth. That's right. So, phone booth. sort of in the Three Timers Club. Yeah. He's the doorman for the Three Timers Club. <laughs> <laughs> he gives you your complimentary condom full of jizz before you yeah. enter the club. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh god was he already there's no reference to him in the suicide squad no there's so. there's like sort of mention of the joker but it's not ever his joker you don't okay see him. okay so he's not already in it okay no he's peeking in he's peeking in through the crack he's looking at the party <laughs> he sees dick miller and uh tom hanks <laughs> You know, sipping champagne <laughs> as he's out there with his with his, his jizz condoms you know, hanging out. Well, John said the word jizz twice now. <laughs> and he says that three times he'll appear in your home, so we better wrap things up. Um, if you want more of our content like that Shocktober that John was referencing, you should head over to mildlypleased.com where we're going to have those posts going up with some level of frequency i think we do like each of us writes one a week something like that we'll figure it out yeah i for- <laughs> yeah uh also there's more podcasts you can listen to like uh you know five seasons of the pick now plus plus these uh if you go search for mildly pleased on itunes or whatever the hell else people uh don't i mean nobody listens to podcasts on itunes anymore i should probably stop saying that <laughs> on uh on uh, your podcast app of your podcast app of choice. That's hard to say. And uh, that's that's it. And uh, till all are one, we leave you now. You are the future.